All right, you Mojo Vision subscribers, it's time to dust off your starter jackets, rip off those tearaways, and blow into your game cartridges. I'm Sam Blanford. I'm Pat Sellers. I'm Sean Kelly, and we wish it was the 90s. Off the bat, I'd like to apologise to the rest of the podcasting team for my lateness, but O'Malley just kicked the bucket on Grays and I had to wipe my tears away. Like I'm a late arrival to Grey's Anatomy, but Shah's been watching it quite a lot through the um, while she's waiting to give birth, and I'm into it. What season is that? Five. Yeah, I don't think I made it that far. Nah, I I watched when it like when you used to watch TV, maybe one or two seasons. Back when Friends was on once a week rather than 17 times a day. Yeah, yeah. when you had a TV that was as deep as it was wide. <laughs> Heavy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Even, even, well, even like a little one, like a little like bedroom TV. <laughs> 40 kilos. <laughs> For a 28-inch 28, 28 uh, yeah. wide screen. Yeah, it's interesting they made them out of lead, but anyway. <laughs> on another side note, well, I was looking very closely at a Sony Walkman on eBay today. I don't have any oh, tapes to play on man. it, but it's about, I think it worked out to be about 400 NZD. Holy. Is that like a classic yellow one too? No, nah, it's, it's the blue one. I oh, think that's yeah. the most common one, the blue one with like the orange headphones. Mm-hmm. Oh, I had, came I, with I, had headphones. A, I had a yellow one. I remember I had a yellow Walkman, cassette Walkman. Yeah, I I don't remember having a Walkman. I definitely had a Discman. Yeah, I had a Discman too. I had uh, Lannis Morissette going on through my Walkman. Anyway, move on. Um, <laughs> yep, sorry. <laughs> Whoa, what happened there? So uh, today, <laughs> uh, episode seven of our uh, run through of X-Men, the animated series, we've got No Mutant as an Island, a phenomenal episode. Uh, we've got Obsession. We've got Long Shot, Cold Comfort, and Savage Land, Savage Heart, part one and oh, part nice. two. I've watched the right episodes. <laughs> Disney made it extremely confusing. Oh, yeah. I was really worried. <laughs> so, so some of this isn't Disney's fault per se, because I think we've talked about it before. There was an issue with yeah. the order of releasing and things like that. And you notice in these episodes why. Like um, in Savage Land, Savage Heart, there's like a throwaway line like, we couldn't get hold of the others on Muir Island, which is code for, we can't get those voice actors for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then there's also... There's also the artwork, which yeah. changes episode to episode. And did you guys notice the theme song difference? No. Nah. Go, go back when you get a chance and just watch the intro for No Mutant as an Island. And I think it's the same for the Mojo episode, Long Shot. I think we might have just been caught out for skipping the intro. Like uh, I've, I've like, yeah, got to come clean, Bob. <laughs> I have not watched the intro since uh, episode one. <laughs> <laughs> You guys aren't true believers. Um, yeah, so it's but so the music's slightly different and the shots are different as well. It's more of a highlights reel of episodes we've seen. Um, 
and then yeah, the art. It's quite clearly the um, the art team from the Philippines when production was moved there, as opposed to uh, I don't I don't know if they made that the artwork in Canada or not, but I'm pretty sure that's where the voice actors. No, the art Canada voice actors America, something like that, vice versa, one or the other. Um, but yeah, you can tell. Anyway, I know you guys will be really eager to deep dive on you, No Mutant as an Island. Um, so let's get stuck in. Yeah. Um, is it, oh, yeah, this is One Eyes episode, eh? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I am an island. I'm a bloody Ibiza. Um, <laughs> so Beast's reading to the team, everyone sitting cross-legged and crying on the lawn. At a spoken word. This is, this is outstanding, this part. <laughs> Professor X talking about risk. You know, Jubilee might be onto something. Maybe she's alive. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure that was just Professor X getting on the front foot so that he wasn't going to get blamed for Gene dying. Yeah. But yeah. we all know the dangers of being an X-Man. Gene knew them well. You're recruiting kids to fight wars that you're also creating. <laughs> yeah, look, let's, let's not go down that rabbit hole. The prof's an evil man. Um, and then so we get Psyche, one eye, sulking in the war room, and he has a big argument with the, with the prof. And what I do like about when they argue is it's like, I don't mind it when Scott blows up at the professor about things because no one ever really does. So I don't mind that. But the, the reason he's blowing up is just because he's grieving, obviously. But I, he, he says, and I'm sick of being dead, mother, to a bunch of quivering children. <laughs> chucks his uniform to the professor and walks out and we, we we now have an answer to a question i think we had asked earlier does the professor finance everything yes because one eye has to catch a bus to get out of there yeah i had that as a question is that confirmation yeah gotcha yeah he um he's still selling floaty chairs i think to boogie the boogie <laughs> pat's face what are these guys talking about listen final to the final fantasy episodes pat <laughs> um and I, then we're on the bus a little johnny's playing good guys and mutants mom <laughs> um we get a flashback to scott getting his powers he's at an old orphanage um and then he, he sort of, he turns up at the orphanage and, and Sarah's there and she's from the orphanage and she runs it now and there's some sort of shared history. Mm. Um, and then um, we hear about this great man who is adopting lots of mutants from the orphanage. He's just a great bloke with a great name, the Sebediah Kilgrave, better known as... Yeah, let's change hey. his name to Jemadiah. We'll go with that. Another name for the books. Um, what I like about his inclusion is um, he's not an X-Men villain. He's, yeah, yeah uh, the Purple Man, as he goes, as his code name is, um, he sort of floated around as like a bit of a B, maybe even a C-list villain, and then has an incredible run um, uh, in Jessica Jones comic book series that's a little bit r-rated um 
because he's obviously got mind control and it's implied he did some pretty nefarious things to her to get her to do things as a super, you know, with superpowers or whatever, but also perhaps even more unsavory. And he's got a purple um, head. Yeah. Well, he's, I think he's yeah. Um, and then we get another flashback and Kid Scott's hard to adopt, you know, laser eyes and all kind of makes sense. And then there's a big fire, and we find out that Optic Blast can also put fires out now. Yeah, that didn't line up for me. It's like, it's like throwing rocks at a fire. <laughs> well, I would have thought it would have been, like, it would have been the opposite. No, because the, the blast that he has is concussive, right? So I assume that means it's uh, like a force as opposed to, like, being a laser. Yeah, um, I see. But obviously it looks like laser. It probably was laser for a while. And then they just tell you what probably happened. Someone probably called them concussive blast, not knowing what concussive means. And then they had to run with it. And then they decided that it can put out flies. <laughs> um, and, uh, and we meet Rusty, uh, old fire hands. Um, he needs to hook up with, uh, with Pyro at Bad Guy Bar. Yeah, that'd be great, mate. Well, if he can make the fire and Pyro can control it, they could do all sorts of things. Um, and um, you know, Scott takes him for a bit of a chat, you know, bit of bit of powers and you know, family stuff and bit of mentoring or whatever. And Kilgrave is bad news. I'm telling you, he's wacko. <laughs> <laughs> And even though Rusty is really annoying, he's probably right because Kilgrave clearly comes across as a bad guy even when he's wearing his white person makeup when he's doing white face. I do appreciate um, that he uh, he uses his powers for you know, like professional purposes. You know, I keep saying that the X Men would make a great construction company. He's using his powers, you know, to advance his political career. <laughs> <laughs> He just Smart. wants a seat in office. Plenty of strength. Um, uh, and uh, Coolgrave sticks Rusty in a seat. Oh, I see. He takes him back to his place. And Rusty doesn't want to go. Anyway, they get back to the house. He sticks him in this weird seat thing, and he's using all sorts of mind control. And then we see three other mutants strapped in. Cameos from Skids, Wizkid, and Boom Boom. Any guesses as to who's who? <laughs> uh, Wizkid's the one who can like make technological things, um, and, and he, so he's built his own wheelchair, his own sort oh, of. Oh, yep. That's his power. Um, boom, boom makes little tiny um, explosives, balls that whatever. And I can't remember what Skids does. I think she's fast. Maybe Skids around, you know. <laughs> Yeah, so that, that kid's real good at making um, wheelchairs. He's probably got a future in the uh, the business side of the Xavier franchise. Yeah, he's a bit of a forge, really. Um, yeah, I was going to say that. Um, interesting, these three characters are like big characters. Four characters, Rusty included, are like big from the 80s X-Factor, which Cyclops is heavily involved in. Um, and only really uh, Boom Boom has a long-lasting presence in comics when she joins Cable's X-Force. 
uh, yeah, so uh, Kilgrave has a big plan to talk to the governor to get a project going or something or other. Um, Cyclops sees a news report and wants to get the kids back. For some reason, Sarah can't see he's obviously a villain. That's um, Kilgrave, that is. Um, the kids are well controlled. Probably didn't need to attack Cyclops when he goes in. <laughs> We're fine. But, and they probably could have just <laughs> run with the bluff. Yeah. Um, um, and uh, they, he, Cyclops, is, uh, nearly drowns when they attack him. And he has one of those uh, kissing resuscitation hallucinations that happens so much in media. Um, and they got to save the kids. And looks like Scott might be about to pash Sarah. I was a bit confused at that point. Maybe he was having a crack. And comically, they seem like, he's, they seem he's like there's a bit of, bit of chemistry between them. Mm. He's got a pretty bad history in the comic books when it comes to uh, women and misbehaving. I, I just hate one eye even more. I do actually. I did actually like this episode, but um, yeah, didn't like me like Cyclops any better. For some reason, I just kept thinking. I kept like sort of zoning out, thinking about why they were letting this uh, rich guy basically come and buy these kids to adopt them, and I kept making me think of Blades of Glory. (laughs) (laughs) It's like he's recruiting all these kids to try and win the Olympics, but he's. Trying to, trying to recruit them to win the city, I guess. My question is, so how did Rusty come to be at the orphanage in the first place? I, I mean, it's not it's not spelled out, but I assume his parents didn't want him because he's a mutant. Yeah, but, but Kilgrave has had him since then. Oh, he ran away. He ran away from Kilgrave. Yeah. Oh, okay, sorry, I didn't catch that. Um, because he's wacko. Yeah, I just saw why would uh, why would Kilgrave give Rusty up in the first place um, if, if he needs those powers. And so Kilgrave turns up at the orphanage and really, really turns things up a notch with his helicopter and his guns. Um, and for, fortunately, when Scott blasts the helicopter, it crashes into an abandoned building. Um, Scott runs in and saves Wizkid. Um, Kilgrave is seen on TV to be a bad guy and gets arrested. Um, don't know why he doesn't use his hypnosis powers to get out of that one. <laughs> and um, Scott realizes he needs to help people and rejoin the X Men. And then Cerebro fri- finds Gene somehow. Good timing. He had Look, his X Men moment. Yeah. Yeah. His, his, yeah. Yeah. They've all had it so far, apart from him. Is that right? He's the most loyal, right? On paper, you know, he's all about the dream and that sort of stuff. But he hasn't really had any moments now. No, he said they've all had that moment where they're like, "No, I've got to go back." The X Men yeah. are my are my people. Yeah, yeah. Meg goes to Canada. Storm goes to Kenya. Um, mm. Road goes off with Mystique. Yeah. Um, What's his name? Goes to the bar, you. (laughs) (laughs) There's always more gators in the swamp. (laughs) Um, uh, Beast doesn't really have it, but he has his own sort of moment in Beauty and the Beast, I suppose. 
Yeah, definitely. And he looks at the uh, picture of him playing baseball mm. as a teen. Yeah. It's a big um, moment. Yeah. Um, I suppose Jean hasn't really had one, but nah, she's yeah. not really she's not really in it much except for when she's phoenixing. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I reckon that episode's all right. It's, um, I, oh, I found cool. the artwork quite jarring, but... I caught Other one the- thing that I thought was confirmation that um, they just didn't bother getting married after Morph stitched them up. Because when um, Sarah asks one eye if he's been married, he says no. There was someone or something like that. Mm-hmm. So they were just like, oh, too hard now. We tried to do it this once. Can't go yeah. all the way down to the courthouse and fix this. Should have done what? Yeah, Meredith and Mitt. McDreamy did on Grey's and write their vows on a post-it note. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Charlotte. Anything else to say on this episode? Uh, There's one point, and I can't remember what happened, um, but I thought they were very heavy-handed on the Gene Scott child. can't remember. It was right at the start. But there was like a, 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 a massive... Clue oh, yeah. that, um, about their child or cable or something. I can't remember. Yeah, Scott saying something, Gene saying something about bringing a kid into this world and facing what they face or whatever. And yeah. Scott says, I wouldn't have it any other way. I'm like, I'm sure you would if you could, mate. I'm sure you'd have a child that isn't hated and feared. <laughs> All right, should we jump into obsession? Yeah, bring Let's on go. some waza. Yeah, back to the normal intro and um, graphics. Uh, Archangel is clearly the obsessed one in the title. Uh, he's doing lots of apocalypse research, Egyptian stuff. All of writing, say, a couple of, a couple. Of... Can you edit that out? <laughs> <laughs> apocalypse can't be destroyed. Um, Warren's been a real jerk. Um, and then somewhere it he's says a something real tough about boss. Doesn't yeah, look like he'd be fun to work for. Yeah. Um, and Apocalypse apparently has a weak spot and um, it's on like the back of his neck or something it's like um, the Death Star that's just <laughs> like the Death Star do you know what the Death Star is Sam? yeah I have a feeling it's a Star Wars reference very good <laughs> um uh, and so there's a sighting of Apocalypse in New York, New York Harbour, which is convenient. And Archangel finds him in Apocalypse is looking for me, my prodigal son. He's awesome. Yeah, he's, it's good to have him back. Um, um, and Sykes is they're, they're obviously going to check out the sighting or something. And he says, how do you hide? So- oh, that's in the, maybe it's on the plane or it's in the war room. How do you hide something a mile long? Camera goes, who knows? Deep pockets? And there's a mutant incident on Liberty Island, which is um, Liberty Island's where the third act of the first X-Men film takes place, which is quite cool. Um, (laughs) Apocalypse is as big as Lady Liberty at one point. And, And when they're going in for the kill, like lambs to the slaughter. Um, but the X-Men are going all right. Beast um, is so useless in fights, though. Yeah. yeah. He, can't do, he can't do anything. 
he chains him up for about five seconds. He can't do anything. It's not as um, his his mutant powers don't really extend to fights. Well, he I mean he's big and strong and aerobic, right? No way. And, it, and later on in this episode, he's way better at like software development. <laughs> <laughs> And um, the X-Men are going, all right, but Warren's kind of getting in the way and, and Rogue's going off to save him. And the X-Men are like, don't, he's lost his mind. He's not he's not worth it. Gamer goes, he's not Warren anymore, Cher. Apocalypse machine make him Leonge de Mort, the angel of death, now and forever. He's really I had to look up. I had to look up what Leonge de Mort means, and it just means the angel of death. So, okay. Um, <laughs> um, I think it's French. Um, and in the war room, back war room, studying apocalypse movements, I noticed that the computer is programmed with Professor X's voice, but it's really computerized. It's quite interesting. Um, um, and Beast talks about a mighty ship designed by creatures beyond the stars. Do you know what he's talking about, Pat? The Death Star. The Death Star again. <laughs> We're going through the Death Star. Um, do you know who the yeah. creatures beyond the stars would be? No. He's talking about Celestials, I think. Okay. It's this little um, just two-man secret you've got going on here. Well, you, Pat knows a bit about nerd, X-Men nerd. Co- well, that's even like, what's the, what's the what yeah, are they called? It's Eternals? Marvel. Yeah. yeah. Hold on. Well, We're doing a 13. We're doing a 13-part podcast about X-Men. I'm sure you, you've got a couple of minutes to dig into uh, some nerd culture. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I think we talked about the Celestials briefly. No, we talked about the Eternals. Eh? Yeah, anyway, they're these big, giant alien robots that like came to the Earth millions of years ago and experimented and created humans and mutants and blah, blah, blah. Okay. No, I did not. That's what he was talking about. And that's where Apocalypse. So Apocalypse is a mutant um, with some powers, but then all his other powers, because he used uh, celestial technology to augment himself. Wow. Uh, yeah. Um, I was just I just noticed as soon as Warren takes his hood off, his bags dis- disappear. A la morph transition, mm. and he's a lot more rational with his hood off. And he's got he's got his blue skin, but he's still got his big blonde mullet and eyebrows. Yeah, he looks way better without it. Yeah, great. Gambit's de- yeah, Gambit's definitely super jealous. Um, and and Archangel takes off or wants to fight. I can't remember what he's saying, but Meg says, "I wouldn't mind a little direct action myself." <laughs> when are they? Uh, what does the ship look like? I can't even remember. It's just this big, massive, long thing. Yeah, it's like a big oblong type thingy. When does Meg say, cool, but I hate seeing cheese? (laughs) I don't know, but I'm glad you wrote it down. (laughs) Um, It's like getting a photo or something. So the last episode, we had those four kids that had a lot to do with X Factor. When Apocalypse first pops up in the 80s, he fights X Factor, and X Factor is... Uh, Cyclops, Gene, uh, Iceman, Archangel, and Beast, the original five reunited, and they defeat Apocalypse, and the ship becomes their base for quite a while. Ah. 
Do they so use is... his weak spot on his neck? Oh, I can't remember. Yeah. Re- reading a reading eighties uh, comic books is pretty tedious. It's you think about comic books, you'd think the main thing would be the art, but they didn't work that out until like maybe the nineties because it's just so wordy, and we it's like you don't have to. Too. Yeah, you like you don't have to explain what we're looking at. We can see it. Yeah. Yeah. Like and then I punched him in the face. There's a giant drawing <laughs> of him punching him in the face. Like, Same power. Like in the sixties and seventies, they felt the urge to like the first two pages would explain everyone's powers. Like I'm reading this. It's, it's issue twenty. I know it's, it's got blasty powers. <laughs> not not so for the TV show though. No, I didn't no. know lots about about Meg for like his. Well, nah, it's quite powers. good how it it's quite good how it's revealed that way, I think. Yeah, um, I like it. And um uh so Rogue takes off to stop Archangel, Gambit takes off too. Beast's got a plan. Uh that turns out the ship is sentient and the X-Men get permission to dock. But at this point Beast is just absolutely fizzing for the ship. Like <laughs> yeah. he's yeah. so excited. He's got like a um, nerd backpack on. He's on the keyboards, working everything out, having mm, a great time. Um, Apocalypse has set a trip trap for the X Men. They're stuck on the ship, and Archangel's plan does work on the on the weak spot. Uh, ship helps the X Men <laughs> to find a way not to die. I think. Um, do you like, like it how they call it ship? <laughs> I, you're just going on about how Beast was fizzing for the ship, and I was re- reading through my notes. Beast's got a boner for the ship. <laughs> <laughs> so, but it's Apocalypse's ship, is that right? Yeah, but so he, he's commandeered. Yes, so the okay. ship's sentient. Apocalypse is commandeered it at some point because it's an alien ship, and has programmed it to be his ship, but it still has. It's sentient mind or whatever, but it can't fight its programming or whatever, you know. Uh, um, Meg says, while they're, while they're setting a trap for Apocalypse, um, Meg says, building mouse traps while Rogue and Bird Boy get all the action. <laughs> I reckon Warren is, um, is creepier than Gambit. He's like, pledge yourself to me at one point. Yeah. I I had similar notes. I was I've got is Warren creepier than Gambit? It's a different type type of creep, but Warren is fucked. Yeah, his thing is like it's to do with the whatever Apocalypse did to him, right? Yeah. Like, but still, yeah. Um, so um, <laughs> and just as Meg's talking about Bird Boy, um. Apocalypse rips a hole in ship and comes in. Beware what you wish for, for it may come to pass. And then he falls for the mouse trap that they set. Um, and uh, Apocalypse—he's just—he's just the quote him today. Beast, how many peoples have dreamed of my end? You are no closer than the Babylonians with their swords and fire sticks. Ha 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 ha. He's so good. Um, 
and then I just got this note saying One Eye, Beast, and Waza all together is pretty awesome because they're three of the five original X Men. Um, and then Apocalypse, I am the rocks of the eternal shore. Crash against me and be broken. Um, and then um, yeah, fighting, scrapping, it's all going on, and Gambit catches Rogue and says. Sure, maybe you could cut down on a fried chicken, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Bit rough. He's, that's he's obviously pretty <laughs> fucked off about Archangel to start having a dig at her. Yeah. He's um, <laughs> ship turns on Apocalypse because of Beast or something. Um, and then Warren and Gambit get stuck. Um they get away in the nick of time and Apocalypse gets sent into space. And you kind of think that everyone would be happy, but Archangel's just a real mad looseman. He's he's not happy. He's out of there. I, like, I remember watching this as a kid and being like, just praying that he was about to join the team. But he doesn't. Well, he not seems, at this point. Yeah, he's off on a different, he's on a different waka. Yeah, but he he could use a little bit of little bit of help from the professor, you know. Um, get get a few oh, mind probes going. The last person that should be helping him. <laughs> um, and then Beast is really cut up about the ship dying or whatever it's doing. Or was it going? Did it take Apocalypse into space? I I can't remember. Um, and that's um, that's. Archangel's Obsession. I thought that good was episode. Really good. I thought it was yeah. a great episode. And it was actually one that I had like, um, you know, probably the shortest amount of notes on. And the other one's probably the double header we've got coming up, but for very different reasons. As I just realised that I actually just got engrossed and watched it, and then I was like, yeah. "Oh, I didn't take many notes." Whoops. Yeah, and I was yeah, like, that's maybe that's I should a... watch it again to get notes. And I was like, "No, nah, I think I need to." Leave it as is. You gotta put yourself through long shot. Uh, maybe recency bias, but Sean. Yes. I'll ask you. Who's your favourite villain so far out of Apocalypse and Magneto? Probably Magneto. Yeah. Yeah, definitely Magneto. Mm. I like apocalypsing. Well, from what I've seen, like Magneto's not really even a villain at this point. He's helped nah. the X Men more than he has, um, than he's hurt them. Apocalypse is just awesome. Yeah, yeah is he, every single right. thing he says is awesome. That's the thing, man. Every time he speaks, it's a borderline monologue. You know, like yeah. you feel like he's like on a stage talking to the audience. He's that good. And he's just got he's that. All- uh, Sorry, what was that, Pat? I was just going to say, he's almost as good a villain as um, Pyro and Earthquake. <laughs> <laughs> or Avalanche Earthquake. Avalanche, yeah. Anyway, the two piss-drinking buddies. <laughs> he's just, and, and he's so imposing, you know, like, Magneto's just a, just a normal bloke, really, to look at, whereas he can grow as the size of the Statue of Liberty. 
Yeah, I think in terms of like out and out villainy, he's he's miles ahead. I think I like the nuance of Magneto being like having a a, a motivation. Well, yeah. So Magneto yeah. as a character, that's probably the that's the difference. It's who's the better character, who's the better villain. I suppose different questions. Yeah, Magneto as a character, I think is probably up there as one of the best for me. Um. And I'm sure he's going to come back into it at some point. So looking forward to that. I think if you're enjoying both Magneto and Apocalypse, when we one day finish um, the series, I'll send you a copy of The Age of Apocalypse. I'm sure you haven't read X-Men comics before. <laughs> definitely not. But we could definitely do a one-shot episode on The Age of Apocalypse. It's it's mid-90s. Um, and it's like a uh, store-wide, they stop all the X-Men comics and um, someone travels in time and accidentally kills the professor. And then when you come back to the normal time, it's the age of apocalypse because if oh, Professor cool. X hadn't been alive and, and like Magneto's awesome, Apocalypse is awesome, Sinister is awesome, Meg's only got one arm. Uh, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> no, but Meg's, nah, Meg's all, yeah, we'll get there. Right, long shot. I didn't enjoy this. Did you guys? Meg being the Lone Ranger. I I quite liked, I find uh, I found it all quite funny. I like these characters for their humour. Mojo, yeah. long shot. Mini arms. It definitely feels like the next four episodes we cover are all a little bit of filler, but I don't mind that. But I find I found long shit a uh, long shit long shot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I found long shit pretty tough. Uh, but anyway, let's get on it. So we get a previously on, and it's Mojo, and it's back to the weird intro that you guys skip, and back to the Filipino graphics. Meg's teaching Jubilee to drive. And I'm like, in TV and movies and stuff, people learning to drive are always like horrendously dangerous drivers. And I just remember when I was learning to drive, I'd be like going to like 15Ks an hour in a car park. <laughs> <laughs> I would have loved to have seen it, um, like the build up to wherever they drove from, because I assume they did the car park run beforehand. I want to see Meg. Talking jubilee through everything, <laughs> like pretending that he wasn't fuming and like trying to keep his patience. That would have been great. <laughs> jubilee, put the brake on. Just easy. I said easy. <laughs> He's off the clutch. And say, so, long shot out of nowhere, um, and some random evil-looking dudes and spiral, and. Um, I I kind of like the part where Jubilee tries to talk like Storm and summon her sparkly powers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got to remember she's quite young. She's uh, yeah, she'd be trying to basically copy them. <laughs> Probably accurate. Um, and so yeah, long shot and Jubilee take off, and Meg uses his smelling powers to track, and then there's some ra random <laughs> random alien dog things, shiny dogs. Shiny dogs. Bad doggy. No biscuit. 
I've got that. Um, kind of looked like Terminator 2 dogs. Um, yeah. I noticed the sparkly powers looked a lot different with the Filipino graphics, and I think that's where the Filipino graphics are probably superior. Um, what are you doing here, pretty boy? Um, and so Wolverine finds uh, tubes and long shit. Um, <laughs> Don't they take him to the to the prof for answers? Yeah, Definitely the wrong person to take anyone to <laughs> for answers. Um, the spiral's given Mojo a bit of sass, and then he pretty Spir- much spiral kills is it. Many arms, right? Is spiral yep. many arms? Yeah. yeah gotcha. <laughs> She comes up with a new one when she, uh, instead of the classic destroy them, she starts saying cancel them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah man. It means something else now. Real mojo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I didn't think about it. I was just reveling in mojo world being all about TV. Cancel them. <laughs> but Gambit could get cancelled probably. Um, yeah, we'll see. Um, and yeah, so. Um, Spyro, yeah, so I'm like, did did Mojo just kill Spyro? But no, he just made her really old. Um, and it sort of cuts in between. Uh, but so Mojo's plan is to go to Earth to take on the X-Men for ratings. Um, and then we're back with the X-Men and Jubilee's massively fizzing for long shit. And I find that pretty hard to watch. Yeah. Um, and then Prof gets probing. And um, Smell Powers pick up Mojo. I've got this, the Filipino graphics pretty interesting here. At several, I, this is where I noticed it, and then I noticed it a lot for the rest of the episode. Quite a lot of the this episode, Rogue's breasts look like tennis balls. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, it's odd, man. It's it was once I noticed it, I was uncomfortable. They're always pretty uncomfortable to look at for a kids' show. Yes, yeah, certainly, but yeah. Um, and then there's it's just so gross. He gets called my bolbosity by the pommy assistant. <laughs> I like, I'm, I don't mind that guy. He could be Australian, <laughs> who knows? Yeah, we don't know. Um, and then there's a big battle royale, right, for the ratings, and X Men want to save Jubilee, and lots of stuff goes on. Um, the X-Men win, Spiral teleports the bad guys away, and yeah, I don't, I don't have much else to say about it. I, got to, I didn't really like it. <laughs> All I had was um, Meg is growling a lot more than usual in that episode. Mm-hmm. Um, so Mojo's crew, are they aliens or mutants? Aliens. Aliens. I like to. I like some of his intros to each character that he always does, like he, like the beast ones. <laughs> Pretty funny. Mind of a genius, buddy of a big blue gorilla. <laughs> <laughs> Pat, you can keep doing Mojo, but you can't do Meg anymore after your last effort. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> I have another crack. <laughs> Look, if you give us three saber tooths, three saber tooths equals one Meg. Cold comfort. Cold comfort from Pat right now. <laughs> Jubilee sucks. Oh, um, so it opens with a couple of security lads arguing, and then Iceman freezing stuff and breaking in. Um, the uh, 
and then we're back at the mansion and professor is talking tech stuff and jubilee's being annoying and look, the professor says, Jubilee, you can't keep acting like an impulsive child. Yes, please. Um, alert, mutant activity. Robert Drake, also known as Iceman. Um, Enter Michael Jones. <laughs> yeah, boy. <laughs> Unfortunately, not on Lomas. Brewer! <laughs> How many alarm clocks do you reckon Meg goes through? Oh, I just... I love, I love when he slices his alarm. I hate when I do that. <laughs> <laughs> and he walks and he's, if I don't get a good night's sleep, I'm cranky all day. <laughs> he must never sleep. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then, so, you know, we've, we, we work, it work out very quickly that one eye has got a huge agenda against Iceman. Um, and then Psych, Beast, and Meg are off to get Iceman from the Federal whatever. Professor X is like, I'll explain in the air. Yeah, of course you will, Professor X. You always do. You never tell them the full story. <laughs> um, and we get to see a bit of Iceman in action. I'm like, he's annoying. I don't enjoy his quips or his attitude, but his ice sliding about, that's fucking mint. Yeah. Um, I um, I like any time he's in the full ice get up. Yeah. He's a little bit transparent as well. I quite like his actual ice. I quite like that. Yeah. Um, he, uh, when I was a kid, you could buy X-Men animated series figurines. And the Iceman came with a, um, like a little blue ice sled. And you could clip his feet into it. And it had a little tray in it. And if you filled it with water and froze it, the Iceman character changed color. Oh, really? It's man. Yeah, yeah, it was friggin' rad. God, I hope that's somewhere. <laughs> um, and I used to always get chafed because the Gambit toys came with a plastic trench coat instead of like a material one. So my, my <laughs> mum had to sew me one to put on. <laughs> I hope you still got that. It'd be great. Um, and then, um, I, I, uh, that Iceman's actually kicking a bit of ass, and then um, Cyclops knocks him out with a concussive blast. Makes this a touch of overkill there, Squinty. That is fucking gold. I'm going to call him Squinty from now on. <laughs> You missed the Meg bit before that. You come easy or I get to make cocktail ice for a hundred. <laughs> I feel like um, Bobby's got Squinty's number a bit, hey? He knows how to push his buttons. Mm. Yeah. That's, that's like, so when they were the original five, Bobby always got a hard time for, like, being the Joker. He was the younger, seriously, and that obviously riled up Squinty because he's, uh, you know, a nerd. Um <laughs> Um, and so, you know, they're sort of playing off that a bit here. Um, and then he's having an argument. So they're back at the, they take him back to the mansion and they have an argument. And Iceman says to Scott, I choose to think for myself rather than playing the good soldier boy. And he goes, oh, those fighting words. 
Yeah. I'm like, yeah, Iceman's a bit of a jerk here, but he hates the prof, and I understand that. <laughs> and then we get these. Jubilee hmm? looking to settle down for some alone time with him yet? Uh, I think it's coming. Uh, there's a flashback, Ooh. or maybe they're watching it on a screen or whatever. And I think it's on a screen. That's the original X Men training or whatever. But obviously, I, I love that little segment. Um. Um. Um, Beast, Beast is his mate, you know, like, um, he's, he, he still likes him having a good conversation. He's like, where's Lorna? Bobby blows up and then we get Bobby's backstory of leaving the X-Men because, you know, he wanted a normal life and Lorna going with him, Polaris as she's known and, um, it's them settling down and then she disappears. Um, and then Jubilee sets Bobby free because she fucking sucks. Um, and and he he breaks in somewhere with Jubilee, and they get taken out by X Factor. Okay, I was going to ask if that was X Factor. That's X. So that's nineties X Factor. So eighties X Factor is the original five. Nineties X Factor is that team. That and it's right. Question: What is the X on their uniform? Yeah, I was, I was going to say that. But do they ever address the fact that they were wearing X Men logos? <laughs> so X Factor's deal is that in the, both in the eighties, but in the eighties it was different. They were like uh, a, a like a private organization that hunted mutants, but actually it was the original X Men in disguise saving mutants. And then in the nineties, X Factor is like government sanctioned. So they're like a mutant government team. Mm. And Forge is like the Professor X. And their leader is Havoc. Um, and then the other members that we meet here are Quicksilver, Strong Guy, Wolfsbane, and Multiple Man. And then obviously later Polaris, which are all 90s members. Uh, interesting facts for you, Sam. Quicksilver is the son of Magneto. Wow. And Polaris is the daughter of Magneto. Do they know that? Maybe not. Quicksilver, I think, does. I don't know if Polar Polaris does. Those are such cool names, Quicksilver and Polaris, but then there's Strong Man. The strong, strong Guy. Uh, strong Guy. So that's, <laughs> that's even worse. Yeah, yeah. Real name Guido. <laughs> There's another real bad one. What was the Wolf other Spain? one? Nah, he was good. Havoc, Forge, Multiple Man. Multiple, multiple, multiple Man. man. <laughs> yeah, probably Multiple Man. That's terrible. Madrix. Strong guy, um, Multiple Man. He was the one that could make multiple men, if you didn't know which one he was. Did you like his sort of like weird sort of, hey, how's it going accent? <laughs> Yeah, I was just taken by Young Forge. Um, and yeah, yeah, you would have been rapt to see Young Forge. Well, I didn't even realise it was him until someone said his name. Oh, yeah. Um, and um, when Wolverine um, has a crack at Multiple Man and he pops into two, what's this? A two for one sale? Um, and so they have a big fight, and X Factor have got the got the run of the X Men, and Prof says they know how you fight. Change your adversaries, 
And, you know, it's, you know, it's a stalemate and Forge calls an end. And what you guys probably didn't care to notice is that Havoc and Cyclops' powers didn't work on each other. Ah, I didn't see that. And that's because they're brothers. Shit, it's all coming out. So, yeah. Yeah, and they don't know this at that point, clearly. Shit, I would love to see Scott's family tree. No, you wouldn't, man. It's a nightmare. <laughs> yeah, there's some good uh, There's some good family trees online of it. It's just all over the show. It's nuts. Um, and... Uh, uh, so yeah, so it's a federal mutant team run by Forge, and then we find out Polaris ditched Bobby to join X, X Factor, and also fall in love with Havoc. Glad he didn't find out that Havoc was Cyclops's brother, because that would have probably really buried him. <laughs> um, and X Men, X Men, X Factor part ways. Another thing when I was a child, I was like, Iceman join the X Men, but he doesn't want to. And that's the end of that episode. But now I suppose X Factor's cooler. He should stay with them. Why wow, he just goes? Does he go back to being an accountant? Yeah, Bobby, the <laughs> certified accountant, doesn't have the same ring to it as Iceman. <laughs> uh, I like that episode. It was, like they had so clearly trained to fight the X Men. <laughs> I guess I if they're a federal team. Part of it's like if the X Men go rogue, or that—that's obviously what they've done. And then Forge says something along the lines of, "I must admit, I thought it would be a really good training exercise to see how my team stacked up against the X Men." Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, um, so so Polaris and Iceman dated. And the original X-Men, so the original five X-Men, and then there's a few comers and goers, and then Havoc and Polaris join the team, and it's like a seven-person team for quite a while before the big giant size revamp with your Storms and your Banshees and your Megs and your Colossus and Nightcrawlers and the likes. So it's quite, and, and she does ditch him for Havoc in the comics as well. Jesus. So anyway, I mean, he's whether you say it's retconned or not, he's he's gay, but he wasn't for like forty years of publishing. Havoc. No, uh, Iceman. Oh, real. Um, but there's especially like nineties. If you look at it and you know that, you've got to wonder if writers wanted him to be gay and weren't allowed to because there was a comics comic code authority that would stop yeah, yeah stuff yeah. like that so lots of uh you know revelers of x-men got really mad with the Iceman's gay retcon but if you look at it i think you can go back as far as the 80s and be like this is this is this these seeds have been sown enough that this isn't that jarring yeah and even if you go back to the 60s it's it's not it's, it's not gay but he's quite camp like you know like so you know like you can see why he he's been drawn in that well he's been made to in that way now it's, i think it's awesome because it makes him way more interesting yeah that he 
you know, his X-Men career, he hid it for so long because, you know, that's that happens to people. Anyway, Savage Land, Savage Hearts. Yeah, Savage yeah. Heart. What a fuck. You know, when we watched the other Savage Land episodes, like we had the Prof and Magneto going like through the Savage clip. Land. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, I liked it. And even those last two episodes or last episode or whatever it was with Mr. Sinister, mm. I like. I like that episode, all those episodes. Um, these fucking suck. Yeah. Oh, so I was looking forward to these. And then mm. I was just like, it's just doing the exact opposite to what was my favorite one where I actually didn't have that many quotes because I got launched into it. Like Obsession, I was right into. Um, Cold Comfort, probably the same. I had very few notes on them because I just ended up just getting engrossed into them, watching them. I've got very few notes on these two, this two-parter, because mm. I zoned out and potentially fell asleep at some point. Let's whip through it. <laughs> yeah. yeah let's I, through I, it I, I do. So when we watched those other episodes, I was like pleasantly surprised. I was like, oh, the Savage Land's all right. Because I remember as a child hating Savage Land-based episodes. And this is why. Now I remember why. Anyway, so there's no previously. It opens with Sauron fighting some locals with catapults. Men riding pterodactyls. It's all Savage Land stuff. Oh, they, they re- did you catch the right at the start of the first one? They had uh, New York Comic Con was on. I think I did. I've got that to my notes. I think that's yeah. that's uh, wouldn't it? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I write that. Oh yeah, it comes. It's after the Savage Land stuff. Yeah, all right. Um, all this, I love when the men on pterodactyls fly past and above the savage land locals and they just wave their fists in the air in anger. <laughs> um, yeah. And so we got Kazar, he's, he's around. It looks like it's a rescue mission or something. Sor- Sauron's battling. He's clearly having some health issues. Um, Kazar gets a blast from some random lady who clearly has magic powers or something. Her name's Zaladine. So Rogue and Storm riding those horses. Um, Rogue's got like a cowgirl outfit on and Storm's wearing like horse riding chaps or something. I don't know. And there's a little bit of, um, what do you call it, uh, foreshadowing when Rogue tells Storm she's just got to let loose sometimes. Um, uh, then they beast Meg and Jubilee are at a museum and they walk outside and Meg and Jubilee hated it. And Beast is talking about something but all i could notice is that he couldn't fold the pamphlet back together (laughs) (laughs) um and it just so happens that sauron bumps into meg and absorbs meg and turns into sauron and um beast alerts everyone and rogan storms sam must have taken a wrong turn at albuquerque or something like that (laughs) this wasn't my best rogue um Sauron takes off with Storm. Some of the team are away on Muir Island. Um, I think maybe they're looking for Gene or something. Um, But really, yeah, voice actor break. Um, Back on the Savage Land, Sauron unleashes Storm somehow, and she goes super sand, but not in a good way. Um, And back with the X-Men, I noticed Meg's running leader on this one, and uh, Sam must be reveling. It's a good crew. I feel like Beast's in a lot more episodes lately. Yes, well, as we talked about this, so season one, he's only supposed to be 
he was, wasn't supposed to be a regular character and the popularity. He's in jail most of the time, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, so they get to the Savage Land and Rogue says, I'll take a look-see and flies off. And then Meg says, I'll take a smell-see. <laughs> <laughs> Meg just honestly pulls out one great quote every episode. And then they have a dinosaur battle and Kazar saves them. And the saber tooth turns up and scares Jubilee and Meg tackles it and it's, it's just sitting there patting it. Hold mates. I quite like that. <laughs> um, and then Savage Land yarns go on and Jubilee's got a new costume that makes me uncomfortable. And um, then they get attacked and Meg asks Beast for a fastball special, which I think we've talked about before. Yeah. The with Colossus. Yeah. Yeah, the big throw. Uh, which is mint. And Jubilee beats a weakened Sauron. He turns back into Carl to be continued. Disappointment. See that to be continued. It was a good quick, quick episode. Yeah, it's a tough yeah. We all in agreement, Savage Land Honks. Storm's lost the plot. But <laughs> mm. you would have thought, like, at least as kids, you would have thought like I, I can't remember if I liked Savage Land episodes, but got x-men and dinosaurs should be an easy mm. sell mm. Uh, the thing that doesn't get me is a rock we're bowing Garrock. down to just a large talking rock now oh yeah it's almost uh oh, it's like it's, it's it's bordering on something inappropriate it's, yeah um i do quite like it when jubilee calls herself jubilee of the jungle um and they, um, there's a big stampede and they get out of the way. And Meg says, boy, that rush hour traffic's murderous, isn't it? <laughs> um, shit, my notes are running light. Uh, Lycos saves Storm by absorbing whatever's going on inside her. But that turns him back into Sauron. At this point, I worked out Sauron's powers. He's like a vampire. And if he absorbs a human, he lives. If he absorbs a mutant, he turns into Sauron. Cool. <laughs> Pat and my uh, yes, so. <laughs> absolute silence sure. uh, tell you how much we like these episodes. <laughs> Storm wakes uh, up pretty rocked, and then we get this Garrock flashback, and he was blah, 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 and some sort of rock thing. The only thing I enjoyed about... <laughs> yeah, I think that was about the time that I nodded off when I was watching these, and you know, I feel like I'm nodding off. I, I watched this at like... <laughs> I watched this at like 7.30 and I was like, I'd rather be watching Grey's Anatomy with my wife. Um, the only thing I liked about Garrick's little um, flashback uh, was the cameo of the person or being that stopped him from taking over was the high evolutionary who's uh, an X-Men Avengers villain from the comics. I Loves can't remember. He was asleep. <laughs> He is now. Wake me up when we're over. <laughs> um, so that was cool, but yeah, Garrock sucks. And then Garrock gets awakened because he's sucking power out of... There's like weird machines underneath the Savage Land. I don't know. Maybe that's to do with the High Evolutionary, or maybe it's to do with Magneto. I don't know. Anyway, Garrock sucks. Um, but then Garrock and Sauron have a massive kaiju battle. <laughs> um, and you know what would have made this episode watchable 
if they did that battle in actual like nineties kaiju costumes, I would have probably liked this a lot better. Um, I don't really know what happened, but Garrock lost and Sauron is Lycos again. And there was lots of Meg yelling, Rogue Storm! Over and over. And thus concludes Savage Land, Savage Shit double episode. I think uh, that would have been a better two-stretch episode with the Sauron from Lord of the Rings. <laughs> mm, yeah, yeah, maybe that was the issue, or it was that there was that other villain that was the Easter Island head. Um, <laughs> yeah, I liked the horse riding. I liked uh, Meg patting the the big cat, and that was about it. That's yep, yeah. I, I liked it when Storm rode off on her horse and threw had had her hat waving in the air like she thought she was meant to because she was on a horse. Like seeing like a statue of someone at a rodeo doing it or something. <laughs> um, it's a, it's an interesting bit. Like the the first four episodes are pretty good. Obviously, I didn't necessarily like Mojo or long long shit as much as you guys, but but I certainly liked it a lot more than these last two. Mm. Um, but it's a, it is interesting because you've got we've got through the Phoenix Saga, and at the end of the first episode of this one you get the like you know genes alive which would have been so confusing for people when these were released and that was released after the dark phoenix um but but then you know you get they they drag it out they make you wait and it's 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 worth it for the most part you know like obsession's good long shots all right cold comfort's good yeah i I like those little those like self-contained sort of about the side characters episodes um and yeah i did not enjoy the savage land and i thought it was going to be the opposite when i saw that like list of the episodes we're doing i thought magneto might be back he'll be back yeah when is magneto back um yeah uh it's it's it's, yeah i'm still into it but the savage land eps hurt me a bit we need, we, saying, big, Sam? we need some big episodes to get motivation back up. Well, we've got the four of the biggest. Yeah, wh- where do we go next? We've got we've uh, got Dark Phoenix Saga one to four, a Ooh. full special Dark Phoenix episode. Oh yeah, um, and there's lots go. to look forward to. Um, think things that Sam doesn't know are coming. Hellfire. Um. A battle on the moon. Um, I can't. I can't remember what else happens. A battle on the moon. You know my feelings about space. Yes, but it's close. Oh, to I this. forgot you hate space. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of the best revelations of this pod. Is it near the Death space. Star? <laughs> do you do you do you subscribe to the Chris Tate um, theory of space thinking? I remember going to work last year. And I'd been watching a documentary on uh, the sun and all the things that, you know, how it works and whatever goes on with the sun. And I was like fizzing for it. I was like, bro, I was it's just like, do you believe that? I'm like, well, it was, <laughs> you know, it was a science documentary. She's like, yeah, but no one's been to the sun, mate. No one's been that far into space. They're just guessing. 
<laughs> I don't subscribe to his. Um, I, I'm fascinated by real life space, but I'm not a fan of anything space related in regards to like TV or books or movies. Like sci fi. So yeah. you like all the science of space, but you don't want to hear a storyline through that thing that you're interested in. <laughs> well, generally it's it's fiction is why yeah. the you know, like the space that I'm fascinated by is how we fucking don't know where it ends. <laughs> it's nothing to do with like spaceships and aliens. What yeah. about like what if did you know uh space related sort of movies that you enjoy? Like Arrival or none, no. Interstellar, nothing. No. Oh, I've heard Martian. Good. Martian, fuck, don't get me started. Bad game on. The way he got back, it, like the ridiculous way he got back onto Earth or back onto the bloody path that he was supposed to be on. I was, I think I walked out then. <laughs> Are you saying when we do our Armageddon episode, you're not going to revel about a bunch of oil drillers being sent into space to destroy an asteroid? They were our only option. <laughs> All right, I think we're done. Are you going to send astronauts? <laughs> Idiot. Hold the phone. We need to talk about our bloody get us on Instagram, WIWT90S, or on the Twitter sphere. Um, we've also got a Facebook group that might start getting some traction shortly because we're going to launch our Jonah Lomu's tournament via that. Um, um, but also, you know, we're, we're, we're listening everywhere, we're playing everywhere on Walkmans. You can get us on, I mean, obviously you're already listening, but, you know, if you want to change it up, we've got Spotify, we've got YouTube, we've got iHeartRadio, we've got Apple Podcasts, we've got Podbean, probably our main provider. We should shout out to them. They're doing us a lot of favours. You can um, head down to Tower Music, pick us up in a, on a cassette. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, give us a rating, give us a comment, five stars, whatever. Feedback's good. You know, we're pretty keen to monetize this thing, so help us out. We'd <laughs> like for someone other than Ruben to listen to us. Yeah, we, I've, I, look, I checked our views today. We've had over 400 views on YouTube. And hey. the only people yeah. commenting are me and Ruben. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Rubes. Um, right. And anyone else listening, we are willing to sell out for anything. So keep that in mind. Yeah. yeah. Sam will go back and edit all of our episodes if Disney wants to get on board. It's not happening. <laughs> all right. You ready, Pat? Absolute clusterfuck of the ordering. It took me a bit, took me as long as watching the Savage Land episodes to actually find where they were. Anyway, I'm ready. Mission accomplished, buddy. Let's go home. <laughs>